Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint, and we're talking about heroes today, and I'm so glad to have in the studio with me someone who is, in her own right, heroic. Jamie Wilkerson, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm fine. We live in an age where we could use a few more heroes. I suppose that could be said for every generation, but right now, where the world has so many challenges, we need some heroes, real heroes, not comic book heroes, but real people, real flesh and blood who are just like you and me, who make some decisions and choices that are heroic and actually speak across the ages. And today, we're talking about a group of those, but especially one in particular who's kind of the leader of the band. Her name is Perpetua. We're talking about saints and heroes, aren't we? When I say the word saints, what do you think about? I think of someone who lives with a higher standard than most people. It's yeah. a standout. Just a standout. Because of their, their righteousness, their purity. Not willing to compromise, you right? know. And the scripture tells us that anyone who's redeemed by the blood of Jesus is a saint. But there also are some people in that class of saints who are like, well, saints with a capital S. <laughs> and, and, you know, there are some <laughs> churches that, that have calendars that remember these heroic figures and they, they give them days. They're called saint days. Those days are usually assigned by the date of their death because people don't always record in the ancient world what the date of their birth was, but everyone knew what the date of their death was. And so those days are celebrated. We're not here to uh, pump up anybody in particular, but we are here to remind our audience and ourselves that there are heroic stories in history that still speak across time to call the best out of us. And these heroes that we're talking about are people who became heroic because of their faith in Christ. And on the 7th of March, there's a saint day for Perpetua and Felicitas and their companions. That's the name of the saint day because Perpetua and Felicitas, or sometimes called Felicity, who was a slave, are murdered on the same day together with some other companions, some free men. They were murdered for their faith in Christ. They are heroic, not just because of the way they died, but because of how they lived. Okay, Perpetua. She's the ringleader. There are a group of people who are going to die because of their faith, but she's the standout because she seems to be the person who's at the front of the pack. She lived a long time ago. She's in the third century. Well, she died just at the beginning of the third century in the year 203. And she lived in Carthage, which was at the time a big and prominent Roman city on the coast of North Africa on the Mediterranean. And uh, she was a person born to nobility. Her family had money and status. We don't know anything about her husband, curiously. Maybe he wanted to distance himself from her because she's going to run afoul of the government. We don't know. But we know she had a baby. And she's just 22 years old. And she's nursing this child when she gets apprehended. She's arrested. Perpetua. That's her name. What would you say about her, Jamie? I love looking up definitions of names and words, and and I I just I had I couldn't resist looking up her name, and it, it means lasting. It's from the Latin word that means lasting, and like I think in perpetuity, we'd say in English, yeah, mm -hmm. yep. And she's lasting, and her story has lasted. And when we tell you her story, it's not because it's kind of some myth or some kind of fanciful Aesop's fable. Actually, there are written documents that are contemporaneous to her life that record her story. Her history is as solid as you might say the history of 
other great figures of antiquity like Augustus Caesar or, or maybe Martin Luther, not in antiquity so much, but hundreds of years ago. Their stories are told because there are existing records that bear witness to their stories. And actually, Perpetua wrote a diary. You might call it a kind of ancient diary of Anne Frank. She's, right. <laughs> she's imprisoned. And she is, she's writing about her life and her journey. And there's somebody else that's unnamed who we call the editor of the diary, who ultimately, after her death, wrote a preface to it and then did some finish work at the end. But actually, much of what we know about Perpetua is out of her own mouth. It's what she believed. It's what she wrote down. And this diary is a terrific work of antiquity to help us put flesh on the bone of her story. Now, there's Perpetua, and there's a slave woman named Felicitas or Felicity. She's in the mix, too. And then there are some other, and there's another slave, I think, and two other free men. They're all apprehended together, kind of imprisoned together, because they believe in Jesus. We're not sure why. The emperor at the time, his name is Severus, and and he's not necessarily famous for being a persecutor of Christians, but we know that during his reign in different cities of the empire, the locals would persecute Christians. Maybe he turned a blind eye to it. We don't know. But we know that these people are going to die at games that have been arranged to celebrate the emperor's birthday. And to celebrate the emperor's birthday why not just murder a few Christians? I mean, honestly, that is the cruel world in which Perpetua lived. What do we know about her family, Jamie? I mean, she had a family. She had a dad that cared for her deeply. What do we know about him? Well, her father had not, he hadn't converted to Christianity, and he really wanted her to renounce her faith because he was afraid that, you know, of what would what, what happen to her if she didn't. And I read too that she was she and the others that were um, that were martyred alongside her were in some kind of class. They were preparing to be baptized, so they were in the early stages of their faith, you know. And so they had developed all this courage and passion right there in the beginning stage. But her father was not convinced that this was the route she should take. So, in in her diary, she says he came to her four times and begged her. He pleaded with her, "Give up on this Jesus trip. Just let it go." But she wouldn't do it. And it's really significant in her narrative because it was her father. And in the ancient Roman world, it was a patriarchal society. Dad had a lot of authority and influence. And it's not that he was a bad guy. It's just that he could not understand why she would risk her life for this Jesus who he couldn't even see. But something had happened in her heart. She believed that Jesus was alive. And you're exactly right, Jamie. She was in a class. She and these others that are going to be murdered together— they're in a class, a discipleship class, or a Sunday school class, or I mean, some kind of program. Even in the ancient world, think about this, second century after Christ, there's a program <laughs> to help people learn how to follow him and how to understand him. And they're in that class together. There's another interesting thing about that. The class is comprised of people who come from different stations of life. So you've got Perpetua, who is born to noble Roman blood. I mean, she, she's got money. She has status. Her family has power. And she's in a class with slaves. What does that tell you? It just reminds me of the scripture that talks about how in Christ there's, I mean, we're all equal. There's no slave and, you know, there's no big eyes and little U's in the kingdom. So it just tell, shows that it was an equal, it was 
there was equality there. It's a society that's unlike anything in the world around it. You're exactly right, Jamie. I mean, here we have people coming to Jesus, and when they meet Jesus, all the pretense and all the status and all the the social stations evaporate. Mm -hmm. They're going to die together. Jesus is the great equalizer. And today we understand those values and we don't always live up to them, but they're a commonplace to talk about. But in the ancient world of Rome, it just had no precedent. What? Mm-hmm. You're going to hang out with these people? You can't be serious. Mm-hmm. But it was Jesus that kind of gave them a new sense of family mm-hmm. and value and society together. Okay, so they get arrested. And uh, they stand trial, and now they're going to go to the games. You've already referenced this. There's a big stadium. Oh, yeah. And... Uh, in the stadium, the crowd is chanting. I mean, we know this from the record. The crowd is chanting that these people should be put to death, and not just easily. We're going to draw it out because we want to be entertained. Mm -hmm. It's so hard for us today to imagine that in real life, isn't it? But then, honestly, our world today has some of that, don't we? Think about all the games we play where people die. Mm -hmm. Think about the movies we watch where people suffer, and we do that for entertainment. Well, They're just doing it with real people. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happens in that stadium? What's the first wave of the torture? So the first, they were scourged because the crowd wanted, like you said, to kind of draw it out and be entertained. And then they had to face um, some wild animals. The men were, they were, there were different kind of animals that were to attack the men and then um, wild cows and bulls for the women. And it just made me think about, you know, as a mom, I thought about just perpetual story and I could just really, it really brought it alive when they, when I read that she was a young mom, she was still nursing her infant. And I thought about how with my child and especially when he was an infant, I didn't want to be away from him for several hours, let alone trying to imagine myself being without him for a lifetime. lifetime. And so I just, it made me think about um, her courage and her boldness at the early, earliest point in her, her um, conversion to Christian, to Christianity. And you would think that takes years to develop this kind of courage. And then also I thought about um, a popular term that you may have heard, you may not have heard, but girl boss, you know, everybody wants to be a girl boss. I've I've known some. (laughs) (laughs) You know, some girl bosses, you may even see like on their phone cases or, you know, just that whole term, hashtag girl boss or boss babe. And, And I thought, man, she was like an original girl boss, you know, she faced death with just, I mean, she was willing to give up her family, not not along bring, this was something that was not, it was considered disgraceful, you know, uh, for her family. To and deny her, her, her father's father. request. Exactly. And so she faced that without any fear and, and she was mauled by these animals and she still survived, you yes, know, and that's they, why I went back to the definition of her name, which means enduring, lasting. Because and the animals did not kill her. No. She was, she was wounded, still standing. <laughs> but still still alive. And, and they had to kill her with a sword because yeah. she, she had so much strength down. and courage. Yeah. It is extraordinary. And she is a girl boss, you're saying, <laughs> an original. Is. She knew who she was and she knew who she served. And she had made a decision and she was unwavering. I know people who just don't want to go to church because they can't find a parking place. Or they're not sure they like the music or whatever it is. I mean, all the things that we consider to be so significant. I wonder what Perpetua would think about that. But she, like some of the other heroes we've talked about, also 
had visions from God. She believed God was revealing to her some things. And in her diary, she describes how she would have these dreams of herself suffering, but then going to a beautiful garden. There was this recurring pattern of her dreaming that she was going to end up in a beautiful garden. And this gave her strength and courage and a sense of anticipation. This is going to be rough for a moment, but I'm going to something so fantastic. I'm not backing down. That's being a hero. I don't know how much of uh, the writings of the New Testament that Perpetua had been able to explore before she was murdered for her faith, but there are some passages in the book of Revelation that the Apostle John wrote that speak to me so powerfully of her journey and of her hope. In Revelation chapter 7, John, who said he saw heaven opened, records some things that I think must surely have been embedded in the heart of Perpetua. Start reading for us there, Jamie, in verse 9. What does it say? It says, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar, Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living beings. And they fell before the throne with their faces to the ground and worshiped God. They sang, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and strength belong to our God forever and ever. Amen. Of course, the Lamb here that John is referring to is Jesus himself. He is the Lamb of God. And he continues to say, Then one of the 24 elders asked me, this is John who's having this vision, Who are these who are clothed in white? Where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. And then he said to me, these are the ones who died in the great tribulation. They have washed their robes in the blood of the lamb and made them white. That is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be thirsty or hungry. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun for the lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Sometimes we hear words like these, and they're so fantastic. We wonder if they have any meaning in my life here and now. Could they be relevant? Absolutely. Because Perpetua understood these truths, and even in the last moments of her life, she held on to them. She understood that no matter how difficult life can be, no matter how painful, even at the cost of your life itself, there's something more that what we experience here and now is just a shadow of what can be, and that there's something waiting for us if we will just honor Jesus as Lord, if we will be a witness for him and not surrender him We go to that place where we'll never be hungry or thirsty again, where there will be no more tears, where life is filled with life and wonder. That was the story of Perpetua and Felicity and their companions. And even as the animals, the wild beasts could not claim her life as she stood in the stadium, as she was still standing, even as the gladiators had to come with a sword and strike her down, 
she still could see beyond and celebrate what was to be. Folks, that's what it means to be heroic. That means standing up for something that's so priceless and so true that you will not surrender it no matter how great the pressure. The world needs some more witnesses and voices like that. What are some of the lessons from Perpetua's life, Jamie? You've mentioned some of them already about her family, for instance. What can you take away from her life? So family is very important, but there's a a family that's even more important, and that's the family of God. And then the power of God, something that um, we could take away from Perpetual's life is the power of God to intervene with visions of the future to help us endure the present. It gives us hope when we know that God has something even better for us. God empowered her by revealing to her some things in her darkest hour that gave her hope and future. And God still does intervene in our lives with those kinds of truths. And then there's the beauty of God's garden. Uh, Think about it. The whole Bible begins with a garden, doesn't it? The Garden of Eden is so perfect. And it ends with a garden too. And Perpetua had a vision of going to a garden. I love that. There's the promise of a future and the reality of of the world to come, that future glory. And that sustained her. When you live only in this world focused on it, you will never be heroic. But when you live knowing that there's something better, you can be a hero. How about you? Is there anything in your life that you consider to be worth dying for? Are there some ideas? Are there some truths for which you would lay down your life? And are they the kind of truths that help make this world a better place? because they're connected to the Creator Himself through Jesus Christ the Lord. How can you be heroic? How could I be heroic? How can we understand what Perpetua understood? Well, we could start by praying. I promise you, there is a God who is listening right now. Join us in this prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful for the story of Perpetua and her companions for the tremendous courage and the wisdom and the strength she demonstrated. She was a girl boss. And we're so thankful, Lord, there are heroic figures like this from whom we can learn. We pray, Lord, that we will ourselves not be distracted or detoured by the moment or just by this material world. May our walk through this world be informed by our sense of the spiritual realm that transcends us. I pray, Lord, that Jesus will become so real to us that we would stand up for him even like Perpetua did. And that in so doing, we might ourselves have heroic influence in this world to make it better, to redeem it ourselves as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that for all who are joining me in this prayer, that we might, in this next week even, find ourselves at an intersection where we can choose in Christ to be heroic. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to know more about this Jesus, to whom Perpetua and Felicity and the others were so devoted way back when, and who's still living today, give us a call. Just dial this number 24 hours a day and seven days a week. We're by the phone. We want to hear your voice. The number is 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Jamie, I know that some people, though, may not be ready for a phone conversation just yet. How could they check us out online? They can go to cbhviewpoint.org. That's right, cbh, 
Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there and send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, just write me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you check us out online, send me a letter, or give us a call, let us hear from you this week. You know what, Jamie? Perpetua may have been the original girl boss, but I think you could get there. I hope so. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. And we're thankful that you tuned in also. We hope you'll be with us again next week when we continue our stories of heroes, great figures from the past that speak still today. Until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.